Hello, dear listener. Before we get to today's show, a confession. This show was recorded about three, four days ago, but one of our guests today, Phoebe Schechter, we had to move things around a little bit to get it all booked in. And so when we recorded the show, Jay Cutler hadn't signed with the Miami Dolphins. So we have a long rambling chat about the options for the Dolphins with Ryan Tannehill going down without ever actually talking about uh, Jay Cutler's signing. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to interject at that point in the conversation and I'll give my thoughts on Jay Cutler to the Dolphins. Otherwise, this show is presented as per three or four days ago. So apologies if there aren't enough Cutler jokes for your liking. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Gridiron Show, and the teams are back. Training camps are underway. We've already had the first pre-season game. There's so much for us to get into and talk about. Injuries, injuries, injuries galore. Plus, we're going to be looking at the women in the NFL. That's all to come here on the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you in the game go and find Ben Mortimer and Touchdown Trips online if you are thinking about planning a trip out to the US this season or if you're in the US you're listening to the show and you want to come over to the UK for some of the Wembley games there is so much on offer on his website if you've not heard his interview with us on the last show check it out particularly that tour on the trains through the uh, through the uh, kind of uh, Midwest that sounds like a huge amount of fun and there are still a couple of places left on the Gridiron Deep South Tour we're going to a gay we're going to Houston Colts uh, we're going to head to uh, the Falcons to that new stadium did you Sorry. see the roof you're going did we're you going to the, the Houston Colts we're going to Houston at home to the Colts so, no, but is it Texans Falcons it Texans Colts whatever yeah, yeah. Falcons have you seen that that new roof the new stadium it oh, looks man. amazing yeah. with that wraparound screen oh uh, they're going up against the Dallas Cowboys we're going to see the Panthers Dolphins game on Monday Night Football we're going to watch an LSU game at Tiger Stadium some Friday Night Lights Plus, me and Ollie, and anyone who's coming on the tour who wants to join us, are going to go and watch Jay-Z yeah, in New Orleans. Yeah. That's going to be incredible. How great was I found that? I, in a, for a brief moment, you became my favourite person in the world. Oh, that's great. Thanks, mate. I mean, it was brief. It's fleeting. But it was, it was an enjoyable moment. Can I ask, how much have you paid some of the staff here at TalkSport 2 just to big you up? I don't know. The, vo- uh, the voice of God isn't working very well today. Damn it, it's been turned down too much. Oh, look, uh, do you want me to turn it up a bit? No, no, just forget about it. It's, uh, it. It was a joke which didn't do very well on the last show. So, so you thought you'd bring on. it back? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> why, are you trying to, why are you trying to... Comedy uh, is all about repetition, my friend. stall and get away from the question that I've asked you. I haven't paid anyone anything. There is just one guy at TalkSport who loves to... He's just the most positive human being in the world. I thought I was positive, and... Yeah, this guy blows everyone else out of the water. But he keeps wanting to hug me. Yeah, he does love a hug. I, I don't want that. I don't. What I really liked is when you yet. rejected a hug from him and then came and hugged me immediately. That was really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Ollie, how did you enjoy your work drinks last night? I am feeling. Despite, I think I maybe had six, seven pints, which is a, a decent amount to drink, but not enough to feel as rough as I do today. Yeah. yeah. I think that that pub didn't don't line clean very. I think that the like the quality of the beer was low because I feel really like sick in my stomach today. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, um, Guinness. But I had a lot of fun. It was nice, and the, the people were good. Joe Ovenall, I love now. I didn't, I didn't really love him before. Didn't really know much about Joe Ovenall, but he likes his NFL, and Sam Harris was there. He's joined our fantasy league. My wife turned up. Yeah, your wife turned up. Uh, Joe, Joe. I love her as well, just to be very clear. Yeah, yeah. Is she your favourite person in the world? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, there we go. Well done. Uh, Joe Ovenall um, doesn't have a football team. As in an American football team? No. He was a Packers fan last year, but he didn't quite connect enough with being a, the with He the just Packers. picked the Packers out, did he? Yeah, but this is his fourth year, I think, of liking football. The two years before, he was another fan, a fan of another team. And now this year, he, he, doesn't, to, he doesn't know who to go for. He needs to get on that Jags train. Well... I think he's leaning towards the Titans. Ooh. I see, I quite like... The, my problem is still like Marcus Mariota. He's a great player. And I like their running game. I love their the pair of tackles they've got there. Yeah, yeah I think the Titans are going to go to the playoffs and potentially go deep in the playoffs. I think them and the Raiders are the two teams and maybe the Texans that they can sort out their quarterback situation that I fancy to potentially challenge the Patriots. What about the Steelers? I just I, the, I can't believe and we're going to talk about injury troubles around the NFL I just can't believe that the Steelers are going to stay healthy if they stay healthy obviously the Steelers as yeah, well yeah. we'll throw them into that yeah. mix um, well, we should find him a football team in yeah. fact at Gridiron on Twitter will at Joe Ovnell in a tweet yeah. you should pitch at him why he support, should support your team oh, that's a great idea uh, okay, we're going to do that. We'll yeah, do it from yeah, Agridine on Twitter. Come and find that. us there. Um, are, you, are you willing to talk about why we were out for drinks last yeah. night? Oh, or yeah. I don't. I just. I don't know. You know, personal lives on this show. We're pretty open and generally about discussing. But yeah. I don't want to just come out and be like Ollie. Big life. Big life moment this week. No, no, no massive life moment. Uh, through a combination of not wanting to deal with it and sticking head in the sand and uh, being obstinate, um, I finally got divorced on Monday. I'm um, so happy. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy about it. She wanted 50-50 for putting in nothing. She didn't get that. She got less. Um, a she, good whack less a as good well. Whack less. But she'll still end up, you know, with, with a lot of money for doing nothing. But it's not half of everything, which is great. Um, it, she, she, she made a load of things up in court, uh, which then I batted away. And proved and beyond proved, doubt. Proved beyond doubt. So then um, her solicitor was not happy with her. Uh, in the end, it, it just worked out better than I could have hoped. The best thing is, she wants the bed that I sleep in. Yeah, what's it called? The, On. The, 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 the chattels. Chattels. Yeah, the chattels. The stuff inside the house. She's a knob. Do you know what white goods are? Yeah, that's fridges and... Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And freezers and... Things that all... Yeah. But dishwashers the and... Chattels are... Generally, it's for... When someone dies and there's the contents of the house, they're known as the chattels. But I just used it in this uh, in this context. So, uh, every day is a school day, and yeah. I'm and I'm learning a new word. So I'm Thank very you, I'm so happy about it. Uh, I watched Dunkirk last week. Great film, incredible. I need to see it on a bigger screen. Go see it at the IMAX. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, love Tom Hardy. Big fan. Uh, the acting with just a tiny amount of his yeah. face. Why Chris Nolan feels the need to cover up his mouth constantly, I don't know. But incredible, a great yeah. film. Really, really great enjoyed great it. Film. 
Uh, don't talk too much about films, though, because we upset people. Yeah, people don't like it when we talk about it. I don't understand. Like, basically, this bit is the best bit of the podcast. We're going to yeah. start talking about football. Uh, we're going to have a couple of interviews today. We're hoping to speak with them. We're just waiting to firm it up and confirm it. But captain of the GB women's team, currently out coaching as uh, part of the Bill Walsh... Uh, uh, I forget what it's called. The Bill Walsh Foundation that yeah, brings yeah, yeah. Um, minority coaches, and apparently women, despite being a majority of the world, are considered a minority. They, they are in the NFL, I guess. But Phoebe Schechter will be hopefully joining us on the show. She was really good fun when she came on Nat Coombe's show here on TalkSport 2. Um, and uh, we'll be hearing from Dr. Jen Welter, who was the first female coach in the NFL when she coached with the Arizona Cardinals. We spoke with her back at the Super Bowl. And so we're going to do a bit of a women in the NFL special after we've rounded through the news. It's going to be uh, top stuff. Yeah, good idea. Shall we talk about the news? Yes. Uh, I do, do we want to talk... <laughs> How much do we want to talk about the Hall of Fame game? Um, well, I haven't seen anything of the Hall of Fame game. Basically, it finished 2018, Cowboys win, but it wasn't... I know that there was a lot of rookie action. We got to see a bit of uh, uh, Hassan Reddick looked really good. Buda Baker, quite limited, but looked good in the snaps he took for the Cardinals. We didn't see a huge amount. Taco Charlton played a lot early on and looked good early, but his coach has since come out and said he didn't play well enough for the rest of the game. Uh, Nkandice looked good. Uh, he was treated like a rookie because he missed so much last season. There, there were some interesting points to it, but really, I mean, Blaine Gabbert started started under centre for the Cardinals. It was that sort of game. Oh, um, it, it's Hall of Fame weekend, and um, we do. We are going to talk with our friend Morton Anderson once he's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Some point in the next week or so, we'll talk to him about his experiences at the Hall of Fame, the induction ceremony, all of that. And we did say we were going to do a bit of a Hall of Fame for special and speak with Peter King as well, but I'm currently talking with his people about possibly well, going... don't give any of these things away. Oh, Just... okay. You know, if it comes off, it comes off. But if you if you triple B it and then it doesn't come off, you know, you've mentioned it and it's not come off. Okay, I Just won't never, mention you it. Know, don't mention that you want to go out to... When you're going out to LA, <laughs> you want to have a sit-down with him. You, you use it for this show, perhaps, at the talks. What's it? Don't mention any of that. You've just done it. Ridiculous. Um, so let's do, let's get into the injuries because there are so many of them from this opening week. A couple of contract extensions to talk about as well. Uh, let's start in Baltimore. Let's go with the Baltimore QB injury first. Uh, Joe Flacco uh, began camp uh, with a back injury that's going to see him out for three to six weeks. It could even be uh, longer term than that in theory. And it's left the Ravens in a bit of a bizarre situation where they're building up to the season without their star player. Um, and there's a lot of talk about whether Colin Kaepernick will be the man to at least come in and provide some kind of stability. Now, we've talked a lot about Colin Kaepernick over the times here and whether or not he should be given a chance in the NFL again based on the quality of his play, not just uh, his activism. And if there's a team that's really going to fit on, I mean, John Harbaugh knows Kaepernick well through his time with his brother Jim in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. He's backed him up in a big way. Ozzie Newsom has also backed him up, as have a number of the players. The big thing for me that's not being talked about, because the other place where there's potential for a a new quarterback to come in, if we find out more about Ryan Tannehill and his knee injury, he doesn't fit in Miami at all. Why not? Explain explain why. Because the system that they they play in Miami is one with... You look at the receivers they've got, it's very much a short game, it's very much a short passing game, Uh, using the running backs out of the backfield, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of over-the-middle stuff... And that's not whereas where in San Francisco it was a Ka- lot of corners. It, it's, um, it's, Kaepernick will need to have to make line. a lot 
of reads. He'll have to read defences. He'll have to make adjustments on the line, and that's not the stuff he's good at. In Baltimore, assuming that they get the running back situation sorted out and there is a, a feature back there, they've got a good, hardened centre to their line. They do a lot of on-the-move stuff. They mm. do a lot of play-action stuff and a lot of rollouts. That suits him. That suits his movement. And they've got... I mean, we need wait to find out more about Jeremy Macklin, who's had uh, a knock-in in, um, training this week. But they've also got deep threats. They throw the ball deep. That's what they do. And actually, Kaepernick, that's the one thing he can do with a reasonable level of accuracy yeah. and certainly with enough power to get the ball downfield. So actually, uh, yeah, he's not Joe Flacco. But if there is a situation from a football perspective he fits into it's not one we thought about and i think it's one we probably should have thought about yeah i I like him as a fit there yeah and i I find it really exciting that um the teams that are kind of qb needy are all coming to london this year so it would be incredible if any one of them picked them up and and, and he comes to london because i think there's a real an affinity uh with him especially on these shores we're removed from the whole um kneeling for the anthem and all of that another place where he could end up and i don't know what you feel about this and there's been some talks in training camp that he's not performing very well is um blake ball blake bortles yeah i don't well I, they're going to be going run heavy we know that and they came out and spoke and we'll, we'll talk there's some more jag stuff coming up but uh we know that doug Marone has come out and said he wants to run the ball basically on every single play expect leonard fournette to get a lot of carries this season but bortles i mean i know it's only training camp but throwing yeah. five picks in a session well ryan mallet did good. the same thing <laughs> yeah that's with Baltimore. ryan mallet yeah that, so yeah I, I there is some real concern there uh, and i think the the, the Jaguars are going to have to be seriously considering a change-up at quarterback this next season. They thought they could get another year out of him. It's just ridiculous that the Jaguars didn't go out and find a reasonable backup yeah. this year. Don't know if Kaepernick's the sort of guy to bring in to that situation to put pressure on him, though, because they're not similar quarterbacks, except I, for the fact that neither of them can throw a ball with any real feeling of accuracy. I, I, I just... I think you're jumping on a bandwagon there, mate. I think he can throw the ball with some accuracy. We saw last year that he was he was a perfectly serviceable quarterback. No, but he, yeah, I and get you know, the, you're, the you're, thing you're, is. You're, so his touchdown cool to say his touchdown to interception ratio last year was sixteen to four. Yeah, yes. which is great. Oh, it's cool to say that Kaepernick isn't a good quarterback. You you're, didn't have to watch him week in week out. He can't progress past a second read. You didn't watch him week in week out because you stopped watching <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> you're making all this up. I'm not making anything up. You told me something. Really interesting uh, in the office just now that he is still without a team, but he's got the 39th best-selling NFL jersey, NFL merchandise. He's still 39th on their list, which is incredible, isn't yeah, it? It's and it made ridiculous. me think: Are there players of any other teams that you would get a jersey of, or you, you know, if? Not necessarily buy, but if it was being given to you. Well, like for example, I've got, a, I've got a Jamal Charles Chiefs jersey for that very reason because it got given to me. Yeah. So if you, you and I'm happy with that because I love Jamal Charles yeah. and I'm quite and I quite like the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I would not necessarily a jersey, but there are. Oh my god, they look so cool! Check out my Twitter at Will Gav. I tweeted out the the images of them. Pops vinyls, you know those um, little uh, uh, figure figures, little uh, they're not action figures, but you know they're little kind of um, those funny head things. with the big big yeah, heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, they've yeah, done yeah. a series of NFL legends of those. So uh, Dan Marino, Dion Sanders, uh, Sweetness. Um, uh, they are the 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 
coaching ones are amazing. Tom Landry and Mike Dicker have got coaching ones. They're really cool. And even though I'd never want to necessarily own something Bears related, the Mike Dicker one I'd probably own. Uh, there are quite a few of those that are pretty, yeah, that, pretty that cool. Dick, I hate the Bears, but that Dicker one's great. Yeah, just, the, just <laughs> Ollie checking it out live as we speak. Um, I, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't own the Steve Largent one though. I still can't give the Seahawks enough love to do that. So no. there we go. No 49ers ones yet, but I don't know if that's a licensing issue or what. I'm just thinking, you know, Jerry Rice. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a big deal. You're definitely Joe Montana. You? Steve Young. Would you take, on, if you've got Jerry Rice. Hall of Famers, left, right and centre. Would you take it to Minnesota and get them to sign the head? Oh, if I could, of course I would. Yeah, yeah love jerry and so we get on to the jay cutler situation it's at this point in the podcast where we were going to talk about ryan Tannehill's injury the fact that initially it looked bad and then it didn't look so bad but because they ignored the injury last december and chose not to send him for surgery and just rehab it it's looking increasingly like ryan Tannehill is going to have to go into surgery reconstructive knee surgery and that's going to cost him some serious time on the sidelines so after much consternation could they sign colin kaepernick we know that the owners there have backed his cause, even if the local people did not like him wearing a Che Guevara t-shirt when the 49ers played Miami last season. The Cuban locals, that is, of course. Uh, but it's ended up being Jay Cutler. No huge surprise. $10 million he's being paid, up to 13 in bonuses. The positives of this deal, and I think listeners probably know how I feel about Jay Cutler, but... Let's give him some dues. His best year of the last four or five years was under Adam Gase at the Bears. He is someone who has a strenuous relationship with most most coaches he works with. And bizarrely, Adam Gase is one guy that he's worked with well and continues to maintain a good relationship with. That's the positive. Is he going to offer more than Ryan Tannehill would have done or Matt Moore as a backup? Matt Moore was a good backup last year when he came in, carried the team to the playoffs, looked sharp, works in the system. He Obviously, he doesn't give you the upside of Ryan Tannehill, but actually, he's the kind of quarterback who's not going to lose you a game of football. So actually, uh, would he have taken them to the playoffs over 16 games, considering the amount of talent they've got there? Maybe, maybe not. I think it would have been a lot to do with how healthy the offensive line could have stayed in addition. But... Jay Cutler, I mean, the guy is the most up-and-down quarterback I've ever seen in my life. When he hits his very peaks and his highest points, he can be maybe not transcendent, but he can be a, can be a quarterback who puts a team on his back and carries them through a game. The problem is he's also the sort of guy who can have a three-interception game and cost you a game. And over the course of a season, it tended to balance out while he was with the Bears. He had up seasons, he had down seasons, and actually, if you look at his stats overall compared to Ryan Tannehill... They are basically about the same level. The difference is, is Tannehill is this model of bang average consistency, which is probably what you want running Adam Gase's system. It's similar to maybe what Kirk Cousins had offered Washington. I don't think Gase's system is, in, is as intelligent as Sean McVay's was uh, with Cousins before he headed to L.A., but it is certainly one that could be run with relative proficiency by a bang average quarterback, which is what I think Ryan Tannehill is. And I don't think we'll ever see him hit his peaks if he's going to miss another season now at his absolute prime with this knee injury. The bigger issue is that Jay Cutler is absolutely toxic. He's been toxic to every locker room he's ever been in. And this is why I say it's important that him and Adam Gase have a good relationship because he's killed coaches. He's killed relationships with skilled players before. And, you know, Jay Cutler operating at 100% of his can I be arseness is still probably only 60% of what a top NFL quarterback should be giving you. He just, I can't believe 
that he's come out of this uh, self-imposed retirement where he's gone to to take this opportunity uh, as a broadcaster for anything other than the money. He was only ever going to go into a situation like this where it's an emergency situation. He was never going to go in as a backup. He was never going to go and compete for a job because he doesn't care that much. Miami, nice weather, nice place to live. Great, he can go down there with Christine Cavallari. Is that her name? Looking at my wife, she's giving me a nod. Uh, And they can have a lovely time, I'm sure. Is it a waste of money for the Dolphins? Are they going to compete with the Patriots? I seriously, seriously doubt it. So those are my Tannehill thoughts. We would have had more uh, on the serious uh, Tannehill situation. Uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to because we recorded this podcast earlier. Right, let's get back to me and Ollie and our thoughts on the rest of the week's news. RG3 is still available, guys. A um, few more injuries and players missing out before we get to some contract extensions. Some tough, tough injuries in Houston and Los Angeles. Will Fuller broke his collarbone during practice, which is massive no. for... It's a really interesting situation with the wideouts in Houston. And, and hearing um, DeAndre Hopkins talk about it, he's in the first three or four years. Is he a four, fourth-year guy yeah, now? Yeah, I think so. Um, in the first three years, no other quarterback, no other wide receiver has caught passes from more different quarterbacks than him. And that sounds like it's not that big a stat because, you know... I you th- but when you think about the fact that there are guys who move between teams regularly and end up playing at different places and get on practice squads and get onto fringes of squads, and yeah. yet he's still caught passes from more different quarterbacks than any other player in the first three years of their career. And what they were going to look to do was combine that speed of Will Fuller, fully fit, combine that speed of DeAndre Hopkins, try and really stretch the field. And they're going to struggle to do that w- without him there. And now uh, they've got we've got the Rams who are missing Aaron Donald he's holding out at the moment although I don't think that'll happen too deep into camp but they've lost Dominic Easley to a torn ACL the former Patriot and what was really exciting about Los Angeles going into this season was that they had they got in Son of Bum, they got in Wade Phillips, and they had, I think statistically, the in the top two or three fastest defences in all of the NFL mm. in terms of, you know, they're 60 times, they're 40 times, all stuff like that. And I was really, really excited to see how he'd use all that power up front, all that penetrative ability of those players, and then combine it with all that speed on the outside, speed from the corners, blitzing safeties. There was a lot of exciting things to look at with that Rams defence. And suddenly, they're looking a bit weakened on the line, and, and it's definitely going to be one to, to be watching out for. And basically, that is their... That is their team. I mean, they, they don't have much offensively. Todd Gurley needs a massive, a massive year. Jared Goff apparently is looking much sharper, but still, jury is out on him. Their that their defense is their defense. You know, that's the thing that that um, that their their game is pretty much based on. If their defense isn't working, could we see the Rams picking number one? Yeah, you know, twenty eighteen. Yeah, if, if if that's going to be the big focus, but I from listening to Peter King, from listening to uh, Greg Rosenthal, people who have been at LA practices this week, the big impression, and listening to um, uh, Neil Reynolds as well. If you've not been listening, reading the Reynolds reports updates at gridiron dot com from his tour, some really interesting stuff yeah. from his interviews that will be coming for you later this year in both the magazine on Sky and with us here at the Gridiron Show. Uh, but everyone's really impressed with Sean McVay and what he's trying to do with that offense. So I still think there's 
some you know reason for optimism basically the main reason for optimism is that the seven and nine bullshit monger is out of town yeah. and uh, you know if, if there's no other reason to be excited then that's probably it and the other one mike williams went down with a back injury and you know the point was made that wide out is a pretty deep position at the Chargers to suffer a loss and when that happened and this is I just want to read you two articles um, these are both from NFL.com from our friends there Chris Wessling wrote on the Wednesday when the Mike Williams injury hit if either of the early round guards Forrest Lamp or Dan Feeney suffer a serious injury on the other hand the Bolts revamped offensive line might once again make life miserable for Philip Rivers that was at 7.54pm on uh, on Wednesday okay 6.40pm the following day Chargers rookie offensive lineman Forrest Lamp suffers torn ACL no the Chargers are I love the, Lamp the most unfortunate organisation in all of the NFL just constant disaster after disaster and I was saying I really like them to go to the playoffs this year yeah. just a couple of weeks ago if they can stay in and surely the same organisation can't have horrible luck again it's looking like they do oh my god no Mike Williams no Forrest Lamp. You love Lamp. I love Lamp. Um, and uh, they do have Tyrell Williams, who was awesome last year. Tyrell Williams was awesome last year, and I love Tyrell Williams. And, I, and um, the other wide out, the one that I really like there, who I've got, Keenan Allen, Keenan who I've Allen. got in all of my fantasy uh, dynasty teams. I think him, those two will combine and have a good season. But if Philip Rivers can't stay healthy and upright, yeah. then that's not going to happen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Brandon Albert retired after nine seasons in the NFL. The Jags only traded for him earlier this offseason. And from a Jags perspective, we said we we're going to talk about this, but what a huge impetus this now puts on Cam Robinson. Because yeah. Robinson was fully expected to kick in from left tackle to left guard with Brandon Albert staying outside of him. Now he's probably going to have to start at a left tackle, which was completely unexpected. And they let Kelvin Beecham go to the Jets. Admittedly, the Jets paid him more money than he probably should have got coming off his worst season in the NFL. But he was coming off an ACL injury. Second year is always better for that. And suddenly the Jags looking a bit weaker again. <laughs> it's all right, because all they're going to be doing is handing the ball off to Leonard Fournette. So. And, and then winning at Wembley, because yeah. that's what they always do. That's what they always do. <laughs> Shall we talk extensions? Yes, let's. Um, let's start with Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor signs a three-year extension with the Seattle Seahawks. Twenty-five million pounds guaranteed. Uh, dollars guaranteed. Thirty-six million dollars. The full contract extension. Uh, Twenty-nine now. Basically, the positive here for the Seahawks is they have locked down uh, the the key parts of of this. Uh, defense at this point Bobby Wagner signed through four years yeah. Cam Chancellor's now signed and there is a huge huge difference in Seattle when they've got both of their safeties fit and kicking compared with when just one of them is missing because they are the best safety pairing best safety, best safety tandem in the NFL over the last few seasons when they're both there but both of them have had injury problems over the last couple of years uh, Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor now both tied up to the team uh, we've also got Michael Bennett has signed longer term they are looking in a, in a strong position to continue their defensive dominance for three or four more years and even though it's a lot of money to offer a 29 year old I think it was a, a recognition that everything he does to as a general on the field, the combination he has with Earl Thomas, it, it's no real surprise. Yeah, and with that Seattle defense, you need to you you tend to get guys who come in and they're plug and play guys in some of the other positions, but the ones that are locked, 
Bennett, Sherman, Chancellor Thomas, to Wagner, but to an extent, Deshaun Shed, but he's he's on the pub. Um, but with with all of those guys, those guys, those guys, they're they're the backbone, aren't they? And everybody else plays up to their level when and, they come and in. What's funny is Richard Sherman has obviously been the splashy player on that de- on that defense. And don't get me wrong, when you talk about a sideline corner, when you talk about and a guy working on the outside, there's. He's in the top two or three in the league, but he's not got the same diversity. But on a different defence, I think he'd struggle. And for him, it's key that they've got those safeties available to marshal the middle so that he can stay as the outside guy. Because when anyone's been taken on those deep dig routes, on those deep cutting routes, that's where he's really struggled. And he's not going to have to deal with that. So it's all very positive. Uh, Another uh, defensive back who has got paid Xavier Rhodes tweeted the bank account done caught the holy ghost yeah this is another one that had to be locked down by the Vikings because he's fast fastly fast fast vastly fast becoming um, one of the best corners in in the league and they had to tie him down I think this is a fantastic signing. For Five him. interceptions last season, but also for me, most importantly, incredibly physical and can tackle, which is kind of an underrated skill for a lot of corners in the league. Yeah. He, he might be the best tackling corner in the NFL, which is so key on Mike Zimmer's super aggressive defense. The number of times, it was really funny, I was reading an article about how many missed tackles he had last year, but he's so quick. He turns so um, he's so quick. He pivots so quickly that actually the number of times where he gets in and goes to make a tackle and almost gets the wraparound but doesn't, and you just think, well, ninety-seven percent of other corners wouldn't have even got near that player. So let's not slate him. I think he's. I I love Rhodes. Seventy million extension, forty-one million of those guaranteed uh, over a five-year period. It's a lot of money, but gotta say, I think he's worth it. Again, it's a bit like the situation in Seattle you need these key players to be signed up and then everybody else could start playing up it's, I know they extended Harrison Smith last season didn't they So, and then Everson Griffin also got a big yeah. money contract we yeah. talked about on the last show Anthony Barr probably going to come up next friend of the show so Vikings doing what they need to do and now they, you just need to build a half decent offensive line and we'll be fine and they just need to finish above Green Bay Oh, there we go. Come on, Vikes. And then one of my very favourite players in the league, Titans uh, defensive lineman Jarrell Casey, $60.4 million four-year extension, $40 million guaranteed. Uh, 33 sacks since being drafted in 2011 does not even begin to give you an idea of how disruptive this man is. He's a wrecking ball. He needs to be talked in the same terms as Aaron Donald, and he's not talked about in those terms because he doesn't have those sexy stats. But in terms of interior defensive lineman he is one of the very best I'm a huge fan you know if you swap him with Aaron Donald because of the other talent that's on that Rams defensive line you know Quinn and Etel that's why Donald can make these amazing plays. It's, it's about the system they play in as well. Exactly. It's about, you know, if you're a guy on the defensive line who has to take up two blocks, that's your job. That might mean you might not get the sexy stats, you might not get the tackles for loss, but you know what? You're allowing somebody else to go and make that play. You're opening up the space, and he can do that better than a lot of people in the league. Um, there were a couple of other little stories to talk about. There was this funny story about uh, Frank Clark getting into a fight with Jermaine Effetti, Uh Punching him out. Wow. I okay. just thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just as a side note, uh, Christian McCaffrey, did you see this video of him uh, breaking Luke Keekley's ankles? Not literally, 
but there was this great video that was getting shared on social media where McCaffrey catches the ball out of the backfield, Keekley boot beats into the sideline, and he just makes this amazing cut back inside, completely murks Keekley off, and then makes his way upfield. Wow. It's a beautiful bit of football, but people are getting very, very excited about it, and I just have to say, look. He beats him to the sideline. Keekley is one of the fastest players in the league. That is incredibly key because in a normal situation, he cuts back inside. And do you know who's there? Thomas Davis. Yeah, do you yeah. know who's there? One of the safeties. Yeah. You know, like, there's no way he'd make that play in real life, but it was just exciting to see Christian McCaffrey doing his thing. No, I haven't seen it. And I'm pretty glad I haven't seen it because my excitement levels for number 22, Christian McCaffrey, are... They are going through the roof. Um, uh, Jonathan Stewart. How high are you going to pick him in fantasy? Oh, this mate, year? I'm so. Uh, it could be <laughs> early second round. <laughs> I, uh, I can't. I can't tell you. I haven't I'm, done a single mock draft yet. You know. I did a couple. I did a couple. I might do some today. Um, I, I, I've just been getting ridiculous, ridiculously excited about it, and I'm trying to temper it. And hearing that is not good uh, and this is the last thing uh, there's this really funny uh, it, couple of interviews with ESPN he's a jersey that I might buy uh, nice with Von Miller and Khalil Mack Khalil Mack was speaking with Peter King Von Miller was speaking with ESPN Khalil Mack's also uh, I think uh, has he spoken with Schefter this week as well lots of good in- great interviews out there to, to get out and listen to and we're going to have some good, great ones coming up for you over the coming weeks but um Khalil Mack and Von Miller have both said they think a 30-sack season is possible for them. What? <laughs> they they both believe the current record is 22 and a half sacks this season. Both players have think it's, thought it's doable. And I raise this because what was brilliant about the Khalil Mack interview is, you know what Khalil Mack spent a day of his off-season doing? He went to Stanford with where Von Miller was like, I'm running a pass rushing camp. Yeah. And he was like, okay, figured he'd be going along there to train some like college kids, some high school kids. So turned up and Von Miller's there and there's about another 20 of the top pass rushers in the league. And he's like, where are the kids? And Von Miller's like, no kids here, it's just us. (laughs) And basically it was like 20, 25 of the best pass rushers in the NFL got together, watched film together, ran some drills and like taught each other how to better rush the passer, what they look for, what they found tendencies of work. So I'm like, you're talking about two of the top two, like four or five pass rushers in the league getting together who are in the same division and giving each other tips on how to get better at football. That's amazing. What, like, what other sport would you find that? I just loved it. I just absolutely loved Who it. Who do you think will get the most sacks out of the two? Von Miller, because he'll be on the field more because the Broncos quarterback situation is a dumpster fire. There, there is, yeah, you've all made, you've made some really valid points there. And I also think Shane Ray, I like Shane Ray to have a good season this year. Friend of the show. Uh, but he's not DeMarcus Ware. So Von Miller will probably have to do more of the getting to the quarterback while Shane Ray does more of the kind of setting the edge type work, which is fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's, no, 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 that's fine. So, so fine. Von Miller is a good shout. I'm going to say Von Miller. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll back you up on that. Mate. Was it you I was having the Melvin Ingram-Joey Bosa conversation with? No. I claimed, I think this was in the pub last night, I claimed I think they're the best pass rushing duo in the league when both are fully fit and healthy. Oh. Um, and really interestingly, the next day, there's an article printed by Greg Rosenthal about the top six pass rushing duos going into the season. He had them as number two, though. Who's his number one? Which hurt me. Uh, JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney, which is kind of fair. But uh, on paper, he's right, but they've barely played together. So I'm not sure how you can say that they are the best if they haven't really... Uh, maybe four games in, in total ever that they've played together. Either uh, yeah, Jadavian t- Clowney was injured... 
and then JJ Watt was injured. I, I'm not sure you can. Greg, I'm calling you out on this. If I'm not sure you can do that, man. If they're both fit and healthy, yeah, I'm, I'm with him. They're going to be incredible. Yeah, but we we haven't seen it, so you can't say that. Uh, other ones he had on his list um, uh, in the top six: Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin. I, Bruce Irvin had a much better season than I was expecting, and I said yeah. that I didn't think he fit the system. And so I'll hold my hands up and I said that I didn't think that I suggested he was going to have less of an impact than he did last year. Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, Von Miller and Shane Ray, and finally Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn. Oh, uh, do you know what? That could be mine, you know. There's quite a few in I, there. The, I the, love those the, guys. The, the Miller and Ray and the Donald and Quinn ones, where it's very much, and actually the Cleo Mac Bruce Irving, where what you're talking about there is a superstar potential future Hall of Famer, all pro style pass rusher, what, Robert and the other guy who's <laughs> all right. Like that's and yeah. and like don't get me wrong, that's really putting down the likes of someone like Robert Quinn, who is a fantastic player. I love Robert Quinn, but he's not up there with the Khalil Max. He doesn't bend the edge in the same way. He can't get low to the ground. He's, he's much more of a power rusher, and, and that's fine. That's great. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't have that same right, range of ability. So as a duo, it's a duo. It's, it's like a Batman and Robin duo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, there's yeah. very much a Batman and a Robin in that situation. Yeah, the old Batman and Robin, where Robin's the right dick. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah, those, that one. That's a bit harsh. Come on, no one likes Robin, do they? I don't know. Do they? No one does. All right. Fair enough. I think I'm right. Uh, how long have we been going for, Alex? It feels like a long time. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, 34 minutes. But, and I need to get to work. Cause yes, you do. So I'm going to let you go and we're going to get to our interviews. Unfortunately, Phoebe Schechter never did come off in the end. We will do our very best to get her on again in the future. But here is our interview with Dr. Jen Welter from the Super Bowl. Uh, it is a great interview and I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with her. So I hope you enjoy it too. Uh, joined now on Radio Row by, uh, well, obviously most famous for being... Uh, the first female coach to work in the NFL, working with the Arizona Cardinals back in 2015. A great follow on Twitter, by the way, as well. Are you Jen or Jennifer? Jen. Jen, fine. Like, I'm 5'2". Sure. I, I don't need all those letters. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's get right to the point. I'm not tall enough for that big name. I'd have to be like six foot tall. Uh, Jen Welter, uh, welcome to us on Radio Row. We've seen you about all week. Having a fun week so far? Oh, always. You know, this is great. It's, it's such good people and... You get to meet different people who share passions and stories. and I mean, what's better than that, right? The incredible thing is everybody seems to know you. I, I was just talking to you then, and about four people came up, all gave you a hug, and it's just everybody seems to know you, and you had a great well, reasoning thank, for it as thankfully well. Thankfully, they know me and, and actually don't run away from me. They know me and <laughs> actually you don't want to say hi, which is great. Like this. Like this is... This is a Romanowski family. Yeah, Bill Romanowski. Right. Chatted us last year. Big fans. That's I mean, come good. on. That's linebacker royalty. <laughs> and I met his wife, who is just as amazing as he is. Like oh, that we, is. Ollie and I were chatting so to her cool. earlier. Yeah, we had a good yeah. chat. Good California people. Yeah. yeah. There you go. She came yeah. over and, and complimented my arms, and you know I was just being nice. And who knew that would lead to like getting to meet a linebacker legend? But that is a good that, tip. That is what it Going is. Going up to right. someone and complimenting their arms. Right. That's a good way to break hey, the ice. It works. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of small people here. I did spend a lot of time telling Andre Reid how impressive his visit physique was yesterday yeah. at 53 yeah. yes. it's embarrassing really yeah, yeah. having me stood next to him and, and photographed with him but there we go <laughs> I like I like speaking to the linemen they're my people <laughs> uh, Jen obviously the, the thing you became famous and known for in the UK certainly was uh, becoming the first female coach in the NFL just tell us how that first came about how what your journey was to that point and, and yeah, what great experience it seemed to be yeah yeah and um First thing over in the UK, you know, I, I know that you guys are still working towards finding diversity in coaching as a whole. 
Um, I know it's a pretty major issue there, which was kind of neat for me because I, I didn't really realize. And until until that happened with Arizona, then people came up and they're like, "Man, we're still we're still trying to get diversity in terms of you know race and and all of those things." And so to have a woman over there, I guess, was pretty shocking. And you know, I think that's one of the great things about sports. It, it actually opens up a lot of doors and a lot of eyes, and then usually moves a little quicker. Uh, than society sometimes and, and encourages that growth and change as well. Um, in but terms, it, yeah, I was just gonna, But isn't it interesting that that's how we feel about it now? But maybe if you'd look 20, 30 years ago, whether it was uh, homophobia, whether it was to do with race, whether it, was, it felt like it was behind the eight ball for a very long time. And now it's seen as, as a leader and it's seen as where opportunities can be. And I think, I think in, some, in some ways it is still behind Right, But the power of sport is that all of these things play out in a platform that we can see it. Right, If we were, say, talking about the financial industry or the tech industry where, where women are not as well represented, you don't know it because you don't walk into the companies and see that there are no women. And it's not on primetime television. Right. It? It's not on primetime television. It's not a huge stage. You don't get to go into the business meetings. Whereas with sports, it's, it's broadcast, it's visible, and it impacts people. And it's the perception of being, you know, I mean, they forever called football the final frontier for women in sport. And so I would tell people, well, then I guess if a female can coach in the NFL, then anything's possible. So... It really is in how you use it, but it is that that change and those issues become so very visible and so very powerful. And when done right, it can become a catalyst for bigger changes within our society because the conversations happen. What I'm really interested in, coaching in yeah. particular, you look at um, prejudice maybe based on race, prejudice based on gender. What about prejudice based on experience and we get this in in broadcasting as well you still hear certain ex-players suggest that they have a better perspective on something because they played the game Mm -hmm. is that the same thing in coaching irrespective of whether you're male or female black or white the main concern people have is you can't coach because you didn't play the game even though there's a precedent for that even though there are lots of coaches that are very successful that didn't play the game to a high level there's still a sense in the game that to really be able to teach you have to have done but, you know, there's, there's this commonality and, and this bond to have done it. And for me, one of the things that was very powerful is that the guys could go and watch my game film. And they did. And that did was, that help you, though, in oh, terms absolutely. of credibility? Yeah. Absolutely. If you hadn't had if that, there if you was hadn't... Not, how could you have the first female coach in the NFL if she hadn't played? Yeah. So that wouldn't have... It would not have been possible. It would not have... What about I in mean, the future? It could have been possible, right? I, I look at... Like, I met um, Coach Ron Revere, right, mm-hmm. with the Panthers. First of all, his family is, like, one of the coolest families. Like, right. these are some <laughs> strong women. Like, his wife is a basketball coach, and she is hot to death, right? right. She could coach football. Right. Right. His daughter is a softball coach. She could coach football. Right. Because they had that opportunity to be around this coach, to be around the game at a different level. Mm. In fact, Ron's daughter actually will, like, when she's in a different location or when she was in college, would, like, kind of scout for him. Like, hey, this guy's really good. This is, you know, so certain things you can be taught by, you know, who you're around. Osmosis. I mean, right. Well, you know, and picking it up and being there and, and seeing it early and, and learning it. So it, it's not exclusive, mm. but it's harder, mm. right? And to get access is harder. What helped me 
right? So it's not saying it's better or worse, but did it help me? Mm. Absolutely. The fact that those guys knew that not only had I played in women's and they could go check my game film out, but they also knew I had played in men's football. And they, they were very aware of the journey. And, you know, we would relate on that. So there was a lot of commonality that you find through that. You know, um, they would say all the time, like, Coach, I, I thought my journey was hard. I can only imagine what it was like for you. Right. So there was a lot of empathy and being able to walk in each other's shoes. So whereas other people saw us as being very different in that way, in the game and what we had experienced, we were probably more alike than we were different. Mm. And, and that's when it becomes very powerful to mm. me. Right. In terms of... Uh, diversity we saw of course in, in race specifically in the NFL and you had Art Shell and uh, and yeah even now and even the success of a coach like Mike Tomlin there's still the need for the Rooney rule but it's something that the NFL is addressing and tackling what about when it comes to female coaching what do you hope uh, you have become the catalyst for in the future what does the next 15 20 years hold for potential female coaches that want to follow in your footsteps right so the first thing is you had to see it to know it was possible, mm. right? And and it had to go well because I was always very conscious of you've got to be the first but also not the last. Sure. <laughs> right, because you open the door and you don't want to be the one who gives them a reason to close it tighter. But what the NFL has done now is they've actually taken a lot of steps to encourage a development of a pipeline for women in coaching. Um, and... They hired Sam Rappaport to kind of develop that pipeline. And Sam has been an advocate for women's football for a long time. I know her very well. And so what that does is it starts to surround the conversations. Like, okay, so what things have prohibited women from maybe coaching in the past? Well, do they have opportunities? Okay, so now we can look at where can you create opportunities? Do you have access, right, to upper-level coaching? And a big one is do you have connections? Like, the coaching tree is one of the most significant things, mm. right? If you were going to give somebody, say, an entry-level access job to coaching, it's going to come because you have some kind of affiliation or comfort that even that they don't necessarily know it yet, but that you want to work with them and you know you can work with them. It's a big, big difference between knowing of someone and knowing them. Sure. Right? There are a lot of people who know of me. But who really knows me and who would know that, you know, she's not going to be a distraction to the team or she's going to bring something extra or this is somebody that my players will like. It won't be awkward because it's those intangible things Mm. right beyond the X's and O's Mm. that I was actually I would say I was better Mm. at those things than the X's and O's because I have a doctorate in psychology. I mean, that is what I do. I I work in sports psychology all the time. So I, I work with these guys anyway. You know, and I'm, as I said, I'm better at that than I'm, you know, in football. I might have been one of the best football players in the world, but, you know, I'm a doctor of this. Like, this is what I do. So it was that doctorate in psychology, um, sports psychology specifically, that Bruce picked up on it and really liked. And I think that that was, that was the defining factor for him. But everyone has to have their, their special sauce in their coaching. So whether it's you're a non-player or a player, mm. whether you learned it as, like, say, Ron Riviera's daughter did, right? Or you learned it like me, like coming up in the game. All of those things, you have to have the access and connection points. Mm. And when those start to happen and you see that it's possible, that's when the real evolution 
happens. Mm. But they also had to know that it, it was possible so that people could set out on a path where mm. they said, I want to develop and become a great coach because I never had that. And yeah, exactly. You're inspiring lots of other people. You didn't necessarily have that. Just a quick question on distraction. That's a really fascinating point. Yeah. Michael Sam, of course, I yep. think that was, I think when people um, dug a little bit deeper into why he perhaps didn't progress as he, he should have done based on his ability. Look, I know that's a polarizing subject, but irrespective of what you think happened there, the idea of distraction for an, uh, an NFL team was, was always raised. The, the teams want to prohibit distraction as much as they can. Is right. that perhaps the biggest hurdle for you, do you think, in terms of changing mindsets? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was a huge story. Right? I think the Cardinals did a very good job of making sure that the focus was right. You know, um, they controlled all of the media. Um, I didn't do any interviews if it wasn't specifically set. It wasn't like, you know, you're having it on the sidelines. Mm. But at the same time, you have everybody watching regardless, mm. right? You have players getting getting phone calls from their buddies, like, what's this girl like? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You have coaches picking up the phone, and they want to know, like, like I remember um, uh, Kevin Ross, who was one of our coaches, said Todd Bowles, who was obviously the, mm-hmm. the former defensive coordinator, called and was like, would I like her? Would I like her? Yeah, would I like her? Because that's such a big thing. Would you get along? I always say that the two biggest tests I had to to overcome, whether it was playing on the men's team or coaching, was does she belong and can we get along? Okay, Does she belong? Do you know the game? Do you love the game? Um, When I played it, like, could we, you know, hit the crap out of her and would she get back up and do it again? Like, are you there for the right reasons? Mm. And can we get along? Or is it going to be awkward? Mm. This is one of the biggest things I see nowadays with um, with men and women. When you say, you know, uh, almost like the women's movements. I feel like we've gone too far to one side. Like, listen, just because I am, I am obviously physically capable of opening a door. <laughs> that definitely deserves a round of applause. Right? Uh, although, uh, although I am physically I would capable still of feel opening like a gentleman. I would open it for but you. But that's what I mean. <laughs> so some people now would say, oh, I can get my own door. Well, just because I can yeah. doesn't mean sure. I should have to. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. And so, but those things become very awkward when we make issues of them. I yeah. always said, just assume that it's not that they don't want you there. It's just that they're not used to you being there. Yeah. So there are going to be awkward moments. Mm. There are going to be things that people say that you're like, I would look at them and I'd be like, dude, Come on. dude, uh, you do realize you said that out loud, right? Like that was one of my favorite lines. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't meant to be, but at times it would just be like, oh yeah. If you'd been a guy, would Todd Bowles have asked the same question? Um, in any first situation, yes. Mm. He probably wouldn't have asked if I liked her, but, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but say, imagine, you know, imagine, exactly. like, let's back it up. Say it was the first African-American coach. Yeah, yeah. Would I have liked him? Mm. That would be part of it. Like, could we get along? Could we relate? Or is it going to be more different than is it similar? Yeah. That's, that's always the question with diversity. Sure. That's, I mean, that's like a language barrier or a this barrier or a cultural barrier. Right? I mean, just think of even culture. Like, let's take race. Let's take gender out of the equation. There are certain cultures that have friction just in how we treat people. Mm. I, I think with the NFL in general, it's something that we've seen with the international series yes. in the UK. Started in 2007, there had to be two teams 
that took the plunge, that did yes. it. Yes. But, you know, every other owner, coach, everyone we spoke to afterwards, they weren't convinced to come over because mm. someone from NFL UK or a media person told them, oh, it was great. It's because they rang up the other owners. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they got yeah, on the yeah, phone yeah, to them. Yeah. There's that element yeah. where it's like, I don't want to be the first one, but once someone's done it, as long as I can ask them and it's worked for them, then I'll trust their opinion because they're the same as me. And, and I think mm. that's why we're saying it's getting that first barrier out of the way is so key. And that's so why... I think that Bruce, Bruce Arians is one of the most impressive people in this world. We're hoping to speak with Coach Arians on Saturday. We're at the, um, we're, we're at the Lee Steinberg party. He's receiving a humanitarian award. As he should. Uh, as, uh, is there anything we should ask him in particular? It can be a story. It can be uh, just is there anything we should you know, give him a little bit of fun with? Oh, my gosh. You know, there are so many stories with Bruce. Um, he really is, I think, one of the most impressive people you'll ever meet because he is that guy. He's that guy you see in the press conference that you hope he is as cool as you think he is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he is. Yeah. You want to sit down and have a beer with him. You'll, you got that you'll sense from hard like, knocks, I think. You know, yeah. When you get- and you'll feel like you've known. Like, I remember the first time I talked to Bruce on the sidelines. I just had this moment where I was like, this is why his guys play for him. I, I knew I would run for through a wall yeah, yeah, for that coach. Yeah. And he is that guy. Yeah. He doesn't pull punches. He tells you where he stands. And there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do for him because what some people see is, as having been a safe decision to me, now it looks safe, right? And it looks cool. Mm. You did something really special, right? First female coach. Well done. But essentially, let's think about that from a bigger picture perspective. He bet his coaching career on it, yeah, on me. Bet the house on it, yeah. Right. Yeah. What if something had gone wrong? Yeah. And yet, he did it. And it takes people who are bold enough and authentic enough to really create change. And if he hadn't set it up properly, if he wasn't the man that he was, if he didn't have buy-in from everybody. It wouldn't have worked, and it wouldn't have mattered if I was terrible or terrific if, if it wasn't set up and if it wasn't for Bruce and if it wasn't for those amazing players. They could have made it not work, mm. right? It doesn't matter how good I was. They could have made it oh, not yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. We all know that. I feel like I could sit here and talk to Jim for hours. Can't we? <laughs> Come on, we can. Oh, sure, I, I kind of think she's, she's quite popular. I don't know if yeah. you've noticed. <laughs> we've been, we've been <laughs> hoggedy. Oh, sorry, Jim. There's about um, 8,000 other stations but I want you to talk should, to. But you should ask Bruce about it. Like, you should ask him something because he will tell you. And, and you will get a, a priceless, authentic response from him. Mm. And I think that that's what makes him so special. Dr. Jim Wells, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Dr. Jen Welter, inspiring stuff, and we will be speaking with Phoebe Schechter in the future. The GB Women's Captain out, currently coaching with the Buffalo Bills. Maybe I'll catch up with her while I'm in New York, because I am off on holiday today. Uh, I'll be in LA, San Francisco, and then New York, and mainly avoiding doing uh, doing work stuff. But I might be catching up with a couple of people while I'm out there, so if we are, we'll get a podcast done. And we'll also, um, I'm going to try and get on the line with Ollie at some point in a week's time to do one, but in the meantime, 
Um, hit up Ollie on Twitter, at Ollie Hunter. Hit at M Sherry NFL and at Gridiron and demand that those guys do a podcast while I'm away because we're only a few way, weeks away from the season getting properly underway. All right, uh, enjoy and uh, thank you so much for listening as always. At Gridiron on Twitter, hit us up, leave reviews and check out Ben Mortimer and Touchdown Trips online if you're planning any kind of trip out to the US or there are still spaces available on our Deep South tour. You've been listening to The Gridiron Show.